sometimes you need to hit the pause button as a clinician um, and a researcher and say, hang on, this is what my underlying assumption is. We want to be evidence-based practitioners, but in fact, this is just how we should practice. Ethics is every part of every clinical decision that we make. And what it is that we do is we make lives better. Welcome to Speak Up, the Speech Pathology Australia podcast. This podcast series highlights conversations with esteemed contributors in the speech pathology space. We explore key issues in the profession in a short and easy to listen to format. Let's hear what this week's contributors have to say. Hi there, I'm Annika Flynn, member of the Vic Branch CPD Committee. Today I'm so pleased to be chatting with Alison Clark of Spellphabet fame. Thank you so much for joining me today, Alison. Alison, you've worked in many different paediatric settings um, in your career. Um, I can imagine with quite a diverse range of clinical um, experiences also. Why did you choose to specialise in literacy? Um, I was working with a lot of kids with language impairment in schools and uh, working on oral language for them wasn't as interesting as working on written language and the more I worked with them the more I realised how poor a lot of their written language was Um, and so I started to think how how can I help them and researched that and tried a few things. I ended up training in a program called Phonographics and used it with a few of the kids and I was like wow Mm -hmm. now they can read Mm. Um, and so that was really very exciting and I was kind of hooked. Excellent. Fantastic. So the area of literacy intervention is really diverse from my experience with lots of different professionals involved. Um, There's classroom teachers, literacy support teachers, there's learning assistants, behavioural optometrists, tutors, educational psychologists. I could go on and on. Where do you see speech pathology fitting into this puzzle of literacy intervention? Um, I think our specialist knowledge of phonology is really important and also morphology, just the sort of linguistics of um, oral language and how they map onto written language um, because a lot of the other professions, um, you know, once you're an adult, you sort of think that it's obvious how letters and sounds work and you don't realise how hard it is for kids to really drill down to the sounds. And, um, yeah, so I guess I think that's our special niche thing that we offer to the team that's working on literacy. And do you have any clues as how we advocate that sometimes? Um, well, you know, it's tricky. Um, I think success is always the best way. If you've got kids who are doing really well, then the teachers come to you and say, I don't know what you did with that kid, but can you do it with this one and this one and this one? Mm-hmm. Um, but then the opportunity to actually speak to the school leadership about pedagogy and how to make sure that we prevent a lot of um, casualties, you know, um, that kids that aren't getting the kind of code-based instruction they need is uh, a tricky one and <laughs> one that, you know, I'm not sure that I'm beautifully um, equipped to navigate, um, but working just in private practice. But I guess, you know, as a team, speech pathologists are pretty good at um, persuasion and supporting each other, so hopefully we can make a good contribution to that. Yeah, awesome. You are incredibly evidence-based in your work and your website shows that very, very clearly. (laughs) Absolutely. What do you see as the main features of an excellent literacy intervention? Um, Well, David Pilpatrick, who was here last year, was saying that for the kids with word level reading problems, not with oral language problems, you need to be doing your phonological awareness, phonemic awareness to the point where kids are really proficient Mm -hmm. and not just proficient at blending and segmenting, but also at phonemic manipulation Mm -hmm. because, you know, when you have the word child and then you add a suffix, the ancient suffix ren, um, you change the I sound into an it. You've got to do that all the time in long words, flipping sounds in and out of words. 
Um, and so manipulation of phonemes is really critical and you know when a child can do that that they're really fantastic at blending and segmenting. Uh, so that's the first thing, mm -hmm. phonemic proficiency and then obviously the code knowledge and, and working in a sort of speech to print way, so working from the sounds to the letters because if you go from the letters to the other, the other way around, going back to the sounds, you end up just, your brain explodes. Um, it's, it's far too complex but the, it's a sort of pivot point is um, the, the link between letters and their uh, sounds and their spellings. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, the code knowledge and uh, then lots of reading connected text and that's often tricky because decodable books are expensive, often mm. people don't have enough of them. Um, but that really makes such a difference and if you can mm. find ones that the kids like with Wizards and Dragons in mm. Them, mm. Um, that makes such a big difference to their progress. Mm, excellent. Um, your Spellforbet Spell website is an absolute treasure trove of information and resources. And I have to say from us speeches working on the ground, thank you. That's a lot of time and effort that you put into, a, into it. And it certainly um, is just incredibly useful. Your blog in particular is a great way to keep up to date. I know I'm regularly reading that. Could you let us know some of the recent topics that have appeared on your blog? Um, yes, well, I've been moving house recently, so I've been a bit slack on the, <laughs> the blogging front. There was a big one uh, recently, one, though. <laughs> yeah, I put one out this morning, actually, okay. um, about uh, embedded picture mnemonics, because mm -hmm. that's one of the things that... Um, uh, if you have, if you're using it on alphabet freeze, um, is not as good as a sound wall, and mm. so try and encourage people to set up a sound wall where they're um, representing the 44 sounds and then gradually adding the um, the code for each sound. So the mm -hmm. kid and doing it with kids and refreshing the words so that it's not just wallpaper, you know, mm. from those mm. those big things with all the sounds and letters on them. To mm. kid, nobody's really looking at them, and they, they just sort of fade into the background. Um, so yeah, hopefully that's a, a useful mm, thing. Well, I notice it's free to download. Oh, on no, it's a, the um, picture mnemonics. I had to actually pay an artist to draw them, okay. so I had to buy them off her, and so I'm mm -hmm. selling them. They're like they're eleven dollars, including okay, the sure. to download, and then you can print what you need. So it would be nice to make those ones free, but yeah, I have to pay her, um, as well as yeah, paying myself a little bit for the time I put into it. Um, and uh, the other the other stuff on the blog recently, I haven't been um, following the debates. You you might be aware a lot of speech pathologists in um, are now following the um, spell talk and DDOL um, mm -hmm. yep. list serves, and there's all these debates yep. going on on them. Um, and uh, every time a topic comes up, I think, oh, I wish I had time to put into that, writing something about that. Um, and then someone else writes it, and I think, well, I'll just circulate what they wrote. Mm. So, um, yeah, I haven't been um, blogging as much as I um, was last year mm -hmm. uh, or the year before as well because I'm so busy at, at the office at the moment. Um, yeah, but I'm hoping to be able to pick up on some of those things. I think especially the the challenge now from the sort of people who don't like phonics that much um, is this structured word inquiry, this morphological kind of based intervention where mm -hmm. um, people are arguing that morphemes are the basis of our code, don't worry about phonemes. I'm like, oh, not really. Oh, wow. <laughs> when you're little, you've still got to, you know, the first thing you've got to do is the sounds and then you learn about the morphemes and you can do them very early, you know, mm. and past tense and the inflectional ones. Um, but a lot of those are in long words and you're not up to them when you're a beginner. So, yeah, I think that's the next sort of challenge to mm. that too. So um, where's that phonics. falling out of? Um, there's someone in Canada who's, um, who's uh, there's some, um, David Hornsby here is really promoting his work and I think mm. he's coming here and talking, but I think it's something that schools might pick up on mm. uh, and speech pathologists need to be aware of and mm. be able to speak to and say, yes, morphology and phonology are both language things and we do mm. know about them mm. and they are both important. In the early years, the phonology and the um, learning the code 
um, from a sound point of view comes first and then as you meet plural s and plural mm. with the z like dogs mm. and mm. you know the, the various ways to say past tense inflections um, then you do start to learn about morphemes as well but yeah phonemes really do have to come first for little kids mm, absolutely I'm sure you are a clinician and I know that that's something that you are really passionate about. What are some of your go-to resources that you use often in your clinical sessions? Um, we have a whole lot of dandelion and um, especially their catch-up readers, the um, phonic books readers, mm-hmm. um, which are, I just ended up buying stacks of them because you can lend a whole set to kids and mm-hmm. often because they've got um, themes that older kids really like, the, you know, the Magic Belt and That Dog books, so there's the ones that for the kids who like animals and the ones for the kids who like wizards. And um, they have workbooks that are quite good for um, sending as homework because it's mm-hmm. a s- sort of set structure and you're just changing the, um, the sounds and the spellings that you're teaching at each level. Um, so they've been a big work saver mm. and something that we use a lot. Um, I use the Trugs playing cards a lot and now mm-hmm. we've got some um, playing cards of our own that yep. are downloadable yep. from the website. Right. Yep. Um, they are free. Very, yeah, some of them are free. <laughs> yeah, some of them are free. Um, and I'm about to put a new bunch on the website as soon as I get my act together and mm-hmm. um, with longer words, um, with, with some Latin endings and so forth. Um, but yeah, because you just got to have a lot of different games. Mm-hmm. And some kids won't do much except games, really, yeah, and try absolutely. to trick them into thinking it's a game, yeah. you know, where they get to win and you get to get them to read a whole lot of things. Mm. And, um, you know, that's that um, makes it a lot easier. Mm. Um, and um, I use, I'm, a, I'm trained in sounds right as well, mm-hmm. and I use a lot of the ideas from that program mm-hmm. I think it's a really good one so. I noticed on your blog too you mentioning uh, iPad apps yeah. recently yeah is there any of those that you use a lot regularly yeah um, I really like but I wish I had more time to go through the grapho game one that mm-hmm. Stanislas Dehaene who's a French cognitive neuropsych kind of person mm-hmm. guru uh, was talking about last year and that um, is based on reading science and um, I use Phonics Hero quite a bit as well um, mm-hmm. with the little kids. But um, it's really hard to find good ones for the older kids with good vowel spelling stuff, and especially a lot of it's American, mm. so they've got final so, Yeah, the voiceovers and, aren't right. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. for any speech pathologists out there who want to write any apps for you know, vowel spellings <laughs> or you know, that kind of stuff, yeah. um, it's a real gap in the market. Yeah, awesome. Uh, thank you so much. This has been an awesome, awesome chat. Before we finish, though, I'm just wondering, can you offer maybe one or two really great take-home messages to speech pathologists that work in this area of literacy intervention? Um, yeah, the uh, one thing that I think we should really stand our ground on is this thing. Some people say it's not your business to do literacy, mm. but really to emphasise the link between oral language and written language. And, you know, if with, with kids with really low language and low literacy, if you work on their literacy first, code is fairly easy to teach relative to oral language, mm. um, then often they do have a burst of oral language. So mm. suddenly you've made language visible and non-transient and so that a lot of kids can access it a lot better and kids who tend to be on the autism spectrum are more into visual stuff than they are auditory so um, yeah quite often I don't have any randomized controls in front of me to cite but quite often I have had kids who I've worked on their literacy first and then bang their language is much better mm. straight away and they mm-hmm. still obviously if they've had severe problems need more help with that um, which but, is a great point to make because sometimes we do think it's the other way around sometimes yeah. 
sometimes. Yeah, so it. It's kind yeah. of an add-on after your oral mm, language, but absolutely. there's a reciprocal rate relationship between your oral and yep. your written language in the in um, school years. And there was also some research I was reading recently that I put on my Facebook. I think about um, uh, you build your vo- building your oral vocab by being able to read. And obviously, you know, in our normal day-to-day conversations, we talk about boring stuff. You know, have your dinner and go to bed and close the door and brush your teeth. And in books, you read about you know. Um, Wolverines and you know all the vocab that you don't get in day-to-day conversations Mm. you're not going to get if you can't read so Mm. that feeds your oral vocab as well you don't fully specify a word and a lot of kids don't pronounce a word correctly until Mm. they can spell it. Mm, Absolutely thank you so so much for your time and expertise and also just your absolute invaluable contributions to our profession honestly your website is just an absolute gem and it's much appreciated by many of us. Well thank you and uh, can I say thank you to everybody who gives me lovely feedback about it and ideas and um, yeah it's really great I feel like for a while I was in a very lonely no solo professional thing I've got people working with me now which is wonderful Um, but it was just a really way to engage with other speech pathologists and and learn myself you know when you're trying to write something then you really got to clarify the way you think about it well it's been wonderful thank you thank you so much we hope you enjoyed this week's conversation remember to subscribe to the podcast and share it with your colleagues Thank you for listening and bye for now.